you. This is Marcus Carver. This is the podcast, Welcome to Dante, and we're continuing on reading through Inferno. We have completed a slow walk through the Inferno passage by passage. What was that, 218 episodes or something? I don't even know. Now, as a conclusion to that, we're simply reading Inferno as a plot. The important thing here is to remember that first and foremost, despite all the interpretive knots, all the classical allusions, all the wild remakings of Virgil and Ovid and Luke, and despite all the Aristotelian logic and Thomistic theology, despite and instead and maybe even overarching all of that, Inferno is a story. The story of a man who walks across the universe and specifically right now is walking down through the circles of hell or (laughs) seemingly down. If you've been through the episodes of the podcast, you know the answer to that question, seemingly down. In this episode of the podcast, Walking with Dante, we're going to read Cantos 14 all the way out to Canto 17 of big chunk, the remainder of the seventh circle, the violent and the appearance of Garion up until the start of the eighth circle of hell. This is a huge chunk. You might actually want to break this reading in half somewhere. Take a breath. Go outside. (laughs) Pick it up again because it's a big chunk of Inferno, but there was really no way to break this into smaller chunks. So, Let's just have the plot. Again, as always, I'm going to start with a poorly pronounced reading of the medieval Florentine to remind you that this poem is indeed in a foreign language. And from there, we'll take it on out and continue reading Cantos 14 through 17 of Inferno. La carita del nazio loco mistrense, raona e la fronde sparte, e rende a colui che era di affiocco, indivenimo al fine ove si parte lo secondo girand al terzo, e dove si vede i giustizia orribil al... Because the sheer affection for my birthplace wrung my hand, I picked up the strewn leaves from that suicide's brush and brought them back to that one who was already running out of breath. Then we came to the border where the second ring is separated from the third and where the terrifying craft of justice is made visible. To make these new things more directly manifest, I see that we came to a plane that trashes every plant in its bed. The sorrowing wood garlands this plain all around, just as the sad river garlands it. We didn't move a footstep beyond the very edge. The vast territory was all dry and deep sand, not unlike the floor that once was trodden by the feet of Cato. Oh, vendetta of God, how much you should make everyone who's reading this tremble because of what was made manifest to my eyes. I saw naked spirits by the droves. They cried with utter and outright misery, and each was subject to its own set of laws. Some people were lying spread eagle on the ground. Others were sitting scrunched over, and others walked about constantly. There 
was a lot more of those who roamed around while there were fewer of those stretched out in torment, although their tongues were freer to wail. All over that sand, with a slow fall, it snowed fat flakes of fire like snow falling in the mountains when there's no wind, like the flakes that Alexander saw fall in the humid parts of India, the flames that came down whole and settled on the earth, the ones he ordered his soldiers to stomp out because it was easier to put out individual flames in the same way. This eternal burning drifted down, but this time ignited the ground all around like a match to kindling, all to double the pain. Without a single rest, there was a wild dance of miserable hands this way, that way, as they tried to slap away each fresh cinder. I started out, Master, you who conquer everything except for those difficult demons who blocked our entrance into the gate back up there. Who is that grandiose one who seems as if he doesn't care about the fire, who lies there so disdainful of the pain as if the precipitation doesn't ripen it? And that very one himself, who was made aware that I had questioned my guide about him, hollered out, whatever I was when I lived, the same my dead. May Jove tire out that craftsman of his from whom he, enraged, grabbed the jagged thunderbolt that ran me through at the end. And even if he exhausts all the others time after time in the black forges of Munchbello, crying out, good Vulcan, help me, help me, just as he did at the Battle of Flegra, and shoots me with all his power, he still wouldn't be able to make a happy vendetta out of it at which Virgil, my guide, spoke so forcefully that I'd never heard him talk so loudly. Oh, Capaneus, since your top-shelf pride isn't drowned out, you're punished all the more. No tribulation except your own white-hot rage could ever compete with your fury. Then he turned to me with better lips, saying, That was one of the seven kings who laid siege to Thebes. He had the audacity to hold God in disdain and still seems to do so. As I told him, his ranting is the only medal his chest deserves. Take up the rear and be careful that you don't set your feet on the smoldering sand, but hold them back so that they're closest to the wood. We went along in silence until we got to a spot where a little stream burbles out of the wood, the deep red of that flow still makes me judder inside. Such a stream flows from Bulacame, so that the sinning women share it among themselves. In just such a way, this one ran down the terrain, its bottom, and both its sloping banks were made of stone, as was its leeway, so that it dawned on me that our path lay there. Among all the things I've shown you ever since we came in through that gate that doesn't deny its doorstep to anyone, nothing will seem as astounding to your eyes as this river in front of you, which puts out all the flames from above. These were the words of Virgil, my guide, and because of them, I asked him to grant me the meal for which he had raised the desire inside of me. So he set into saying... In the middle of the sea, there's a wasted land. It's called Crete. Under its king, the world once was chased. There's a mountain in that land. That mountain was well irrigated and leafy. It's called Ida. 
Now it's desolation, like something worn out. Rhea chose it to be the trustworthy cradle for her son. To better conceal him whenever he cried, she made her followers raise a racket. A gigantic statue of an old man stands inside the mountain. He gives the cold shoulder to Damietta and turns his gaze toward Rome as if it were a mirror. His head is crafted out of the best gold, his arms and chest pure silver down to his crotch, all bronze. On down from there, he's smelted iron, except for his right foot. It's terracotta. He stands on this foot more than the other one. A fracture runs through the whole thing, except for the golden bits. What's more, this break drips tears which collect and make their passage through that cavern. Their course goes on down until it gets here, creating Acheron, Styx, and Phlegathon. After that, they go on through these straits down to the place from which there is no more down. There they make Cocytus. What that pool is like, you'll see for yourself. So I don't need to say anything else. And I said to Virgil, if this stream in front of us flows down from our world... Why does it only appear at this border? And Virgil said to me, You know this place is circular, and all of it that you've come through, only going left, has been heading toward the bottom. Look, you haven't turned a full circle yet. So if there's something new that happens, there's really nothing for you to marvel about. And I said again, Master, where is Phlegathon and Lethe found? I ask because about one you're silent, and about the other you say it was formed into a river. All of your questions really make me happy, he replied. But that boiling river of red should answer one of the ones you pose. Lethe, you'll see it, but not in this latrine. It's where the souls come to wash themselves when their absolved guilt has been crossed out. Then Virgil said to me, It's time to skedaddle out of this wood. Force yourself to stay right behind me. The embankments that form our way aren't on fire and put out every falling flame. Now, one of the rock-hard borders gave us passage, and the steam from the stream seemed to offer a shelter so that it made the water and embankments safe from the fire. As the Flemings between Wissant and Bruges... Fearing the tide that can flood them out, make a barrier so that they can escape from the sea, and the same as the Paduans do along the Brenta, to guard their towns and castles before the Carantana feels the heat along these same lines, although not so tall or grandiose, these embankments were built by the master builder, whoever he could be. At this point, we were so far away from the wood that I would not have been able to see where it is, even if I'd made myself turn to see it. That's when we came upon a squad of spirits who came along the embankment, and each one of them gave us the once-over, as men do sometimes in the evening. Gazing at each other under a new moon, they furrowed their brows as an old tailor does at the eye of a needle. And as I was being scrutinized by this band, I was recognized by one of them who grabbed a hold of the hem of my garment and cried out, What a marvel! As he reached at his arm to me, I held his eyes, the ones of his cooked looks, and the sight of his burned face 
didn't stop my intellect from knowing exactly who he was. Extending my hand down to his face, I ask, Sir Brunetto, are you here? And he, my son, don't be upset if Brunetto Latini at least for a little bit turns back to be with you and lets that line of guys go on. And I to him, as much as I can, I pray it to be so. And if you'd like me to sit with you, I'll make it happen. If it pleases the guy I'm following. My son, Brunetto said, whoever out of this herd stops even for a moment must lie down for a hundred years without being able to brush off even one bit of the fire that falls. So please walk on and I'll come along at your feet. Then I'll go back to my band who go along lamenting their eternal damnation. I didn't dare get down from the road to walk next to him, but I kept my head down and went on as one who walks respectfully. He set off like this. What fate or destiny leads you down here before your final hour? And well, who's this one showing you the path? There up above, in the bright life, I replied. I lost myself in a valley before my years on earth had reached their fullness. Only yesterday morning I gave my life the cold shoulder. He appeared just as I was falling back into that valley and now takes me along this track toward home. And Brunetta said to me, if you follow your star, you cannot fail to get into a glorious port. If I learned anything for sure in that beautiful life, and if I hadn't gotten to the time of death so soon, seeing that the heavens offer you such beneficence, I would have comforted you in your work. But that ungrateful people malign ones, really, who came down from Fiesole in the olden times and still smell like the mountains and the rocks, will become your enemies because of all the good you've done. And not without reason, because the bitter crab apples stop the sweet figs from coming to fruit. The old tales of the world call them blind, a people given over to greed, envy, and pride. Make sure you clean yourself up from their customs. Your fate holds such honor for you that one party than the other will want to eat you alive, but let the green grass stay a long way away from the goat. Let these fiasolan beasts render each other into chaff, and if anything still grows on their shit heap, don't let them touch the cultivated plant in which still lives the holy semen of those Romans who stuck around when the place became the breeding ground of all that malice. If all my queries were satisfied, I replied to him, you would not yet be gone from all that's human because my memories are solid. It weighs me down. The dear and good image of you as a father back when you were in the world and hour by hour taught me how a man makes himself eternal. And given how grateful I am while I'm alive, I must express all that in my own language. I'm writing down the story you tell me about my life trajectory, and I'm saving it with some other texts to be glossed by a lady who knows how, if I ever get to her. And I would like to know this. My conscience doesn't bug me. I'm prepared for whatever fortune brings. These sorts of pledges aren't new to my ears. Let fortune spinner wheel however she likes. Let the deplorable have his hoe. Then my master glanced back at me over his right cheek and said, 
Well heard is well noted. In any event, I went on talking with Sir Brunetto, asking him who are the most notable and eminent of his compatriots, and he said to me, it's good to know some of them, but of the rest, it's just better to keep my mouth shut because there's not enough time to list them all. In essence, you should know they were all clerks, big shots of letters, great men of fame, all dirtied up in the world by the same sin. Prussian is one of the sad gaggle, and Francesco da Corso as well. And you can see if you really yearn for such scaly filth, the one who the servant of servants transferred from around the Arno to the Bacchiglione, where he left his stretched for evil flesh. I can say a lot more, but my departure and my speech can't hold out much longer. I can see a new smoke rising from the sands out there. People are coming. I'm not allowed to be around them. Be so kind as to keep my tresor close. I'm still alive in it. I have nothing else to ask. He turned around and seemed like one who runs across the fields for the green cloth at Verona. And he was like one who takes the victory, not one who loses. At this point, I was in a spot where I could hear the thrum of the water that fell into the next circle, like the hum that beehives make. When three shades altogether peeled off at a run from the company that was passing by under that rain of acrid torture, they came toward us, each of them shouting out, Hey, you, stop, your clothes don't fool us. You must be from our unprincipled city. Oh, my. The open sores I saw all over their bodies, all the new wounds seared into them by the flames. It, it hurts me still just to remember them. My teacher held back at their cries, then turned to face me and said, Hold on. These are worthy of courtesy. And if it weren't for the fire that's part of the very nature of this place, I would say that haste is more your problem than theirs. We came to a stop, and the three started again their old lines. When they got up to us, all three had fashioned themselves into a single wheel, as oiled and naked athletes are taught to do. That is, to look out for their grappling holds and attack positions before they set in with lunges and punches. So they turned round and round, each one keeping his face diverted back to me so that their necks turned back in a contrary direction to how their feet were moving. And one of them began, if the sheer horror of this vile spot and our hairless singed faces put us and our petitions in your disdain, then let our fame move your soul to tell us who you are, one on living feet, walking without a care in the world down here in Inferno. That one in whose prince I make my way, though he goes along naked and skinned raw, was of such a high station that you wouldn't believe it. He was the grandson of good Gualdrada. His name is Guido Warfare, and in his life he did much with reasoning and much with the sword. And this one crunching the sand behind me is Tigiao Aldobrandi, whose voice should have found a better welcome in our world. And I, who have been stationed on the cross with them, was Jacopo Rustacucci. And for sure, my bestial wife brought me more harm than anything else.
If I'd been able to find a cover from the fire, I would have thrown myself in with their lot, and I believe my teacher would have let me do it. But because I would have been scorched and cooked, fear vanquished my good intentions that made me famished to give them a hug. So I started out by saying, it was not disdain, but sadness that fixed your condition inside me. In fact, it's not going to go away anytime soon. Right from the moment my master said words to me that made me think that worthy guys like you might step over here by me. I'm from your country. I've always heard of your works and your honored names, even passing them on with great affection. I leave the bitterness behind me and head for the sweet fruits that have been promised to me by my truthful leader. But first, I must plunge all the way down to the center of things. Jacopo Rustacucci then replied, so that your spirit may long guide the parts of your body and so that your fame may still give light after you're gone, let us know if valor and courtesy still make a habitation in our city as they once did, or if they have completely left everything behind. Because Guiglielmo Borsiere who is only grieved with us and gone along with our company for a short while now, stabs us with his words. The new people with all their quick riches have engendered such arrogance and dissipation in you, Florence, that you are already weeping over it. I cried out like one with my face uplifted, and those three who understood this as my answer to their words looked at each other the way men do who come upon the truth. If it costs you so little at other times to give satisfactory answers, they all said in one voice, happy are you who can give such a speedy reply. Therefore, if you get out of these monkey places and go back to see once again the beautiful stars, when you'll be glad to be able to say, I was there, please make sure that people hear our story. Then they broke off from the circle and flew away. Their fleet legs seeming like wings. An amen couldn't have been said as fast as they disappeared. That's when Virgil, my master, thought it was time to leave. I followed him, and we weren't very far along when the sound of the water wasn't so very far away that we could barely have heard each other even if we'd spoken. Like the river that's the first to preserve its way down from Mount Viso and on towards the east along the left slope of the Apennines, on up there where it's called Aquaqueta, before it flows on into its lower bed and abandons its name at Forli, roaring up above San Benedetto dell'Alpe, falling down to one great waterfall where there might have instead been thousands. Just so, down that steep bank, we found the dark water clamoring so loudly that it could have done harm to our ears. I had a cord around my waist. With it, I thought I'd be able to catch the leopard with the spotted coat. After I'd taken this thing off myself, just as my master had requested, I handed it to him all, wound up and nodded. He stepped back, twisted to his right, and flung it out far from the edge of the precipice and down into the deep well of that pit. I said to myself, for sure something new will respond to this weird signal that my master traces with his eyes. Wow. We should really be careful with those who not only see everything we do, but can also make sense out of our thoughts. Because he said to me, it will soon come into view, this thing I anticipate and that you try so hard to imagine. 
Soon, it'll be right in front of your face. When it comes to the truth of something that has the surface features of a lie, a guy should keep his mouth shut, if at all possible, for it can bring him disgrace through no fault of his own. But I can't keep quiet by the very scribblings of this comedy, reader. I swear to you, and boy, do I hope they bring me favor that I saw right in the thick and murky air a figure swimming up that would make the most confident hearts marvel. The thing was like a diver who rises up, coming to the surface after he has gone down deep to pull up an anchor hooked on a reef or something hidden down under the water with his arms over his head and his feet drawn up toward his body. Behold the beast with the stabby tail. This thing passes over the mountains and breaks the walls as well as any armaments. Behold the one who makes the whole world smell like crap. That's how my leader, Virgil, started speaking to me as he waved the hideous thing to come onto the shore near the end of our hard-as-marble path. And that nauseating portrait of fraud came toward us, its head and chest coming to rest, but its tail lolling about out over the edge. Its face was the face of a just man. In fact, it seemed benevolent, at least skin deep. But all the rest of it was more like a serpent. Both arms were hairy from the pits down. Its back chest and both hips were painted with knots and whorls. No embroidery or weaving was ever made with that much color by Tartar or Turk. Nor did Arachne ever make something that looked like that on her loom. As rowboats sometimes lie at the bank of a river, partly in the water and partly on the land, and just as among those drunk Germans a beaver sets himself at the water's edge to start his siege, so lay the worst of the beast supine on those stones that lip the sand. All of its tail waggled out over the nothingness, curling up its venom-filled fork that was armed like a scorpion's. Virgil, my leader, said, now we've got to change course a bit, heading over there where the foul beast has pulled himself up. So we clambered down on the right-hand side and took ten steps along the edge, taking care to keep clear of the sand and its flames. And when we got close to the thing, a little farther on, I saw some people sitting on the sand right where it drops off the edge. That's when my master said to me, so that you go back with the full experience of this circle of hell. Go and see what's up with those guys, but cut your conversation short. While you're away, I'll talk to this thing to see if we can't get a ride on its strong shoulders. And so, along the very edge of the seventh circle, I went all alone to where those people sat in their misery, their sorrows poured out of their eyes this way and that they beat their hands at the heated air and against the burning ground it's just the way dogs do in the summer now with their muzzles now with their paws when they are eaten alive by fleas or tortured by horseflies when i set my eyes on the faces of those on whom the sorrowful fire cascades I didn't recognize a single one but i did notice that pouches hung around each of their necks these pouches had distinct background colors, and heraldic symbols. And each one of these guys had a 
banquet staring at those pouches. When I got up to them and got a good look, I saw a yellow purse embossed with azure, which was made to look like the face and bearing of a lion on the ramparts. When I really got down to noticing the details, I saw another purse that was as blood red and embossed with a goose that was whiter than butter. And one of them who had a purse that was white with a blue pregnant pig embossed on it said to me, what are you doing in this sewer? Get out of here, but hold up. Since you're still alive, know that I'm keeping this seat warm for Vitaliano, my neighbor who's going to sit on my left. I'm a Paduan among these Florentines. They're always thundering in my ears, crying out, let the sovereign knight come on down who will bring the purse with three goats on it. Then he contorted his mouth and stuck out his tongue like an ox looking at snows. I was bit scared that a longer stay would get me in trouble with the one who had warned me to be quick about it. So I turned my back on those vanquished souls. I found my leader already astride the back of that wild animal. And he said to me, now be strong and fearless. From this point on, we'll go downstairs like these. Climb aboard in front of me because I want to be in the middle so that the tail can't do you any harm. Like a guy who's so close to a fit of shivering from malaria that his fingernails have gone ashen, so much so that he shakes all over as if he's seen a ghost. Just so, I set to at my master's words, but shame goaded me on as it does at the behest of a good lord who can make his servant brave. I got myself seated on those ugly shoulders. I so badly wanted to say, although my voice didn't sound like what I believed it would, make sure you hold on to me. But it was so anyway, because the one who'd supported me through other tribulations grabbed me with his arms and held me steady after I made my mound. Then he said, now get going, Garion. Make your circles wide and your descent slow. Have a care for this new ballast that you've got. As a skiff backs up from its mooring little by little, so did this thing. And when he felt fully unfettered, he came about until his tail was where his chest has been turning and twisting like an eel as he gathers the air to himself with his arms. I don't think Phaeton felt any bigger fear when he let go of his reins so that the sky got scorched, as it still is. Nor was poor Icarus more scared when he felt those feathers molting of his back, the wax melting, hearing his father yelling up to him, Hey! Wrong way! But that's how I felt when I saw that I was in the air, nothing visible all around me other than the beast itself. It went on swimming slowly, slowly it wheeled and descended, although I wouldn't know it except for the wind on my face from down below. At this point, I heard the waterfall off to my right making a horrible roar beneath us, so I leaned out and looked down into the pit. I was even more terrified of falling because I saw the fires and heard the wailing. I hunched down tighter, shaking all over. Then I saw what I hadn't really been able to see before. As we descended, a huge swath of evil got closer and closer to us, like a falcon that's been aloft too long and hasn't seen lure or prey makes the falconer say, Aha! So you're coming down! And so through a hundred circles, it wearily comes on down to the place where it left to alight far away from its master, all embittered and enraged. In just this way, Garion set us down on the ground, and having gotten rid of our persons at the very foot of the rocky escarpment, he shot away like the knock 
of an arrow let from its bow. Discarcate le nostre persone si di leguno come da corda cocca. All right, we've got down through canto 17. We have started toward the eighth circle. Garion has dropped them off, and the pits of fraud lie ahead. Thanks for being on this journey with me. Subscribe to this podcast. Rate it if you will. This is an easy read through. No hard stuff. Just the plot, which is hard in and of itself. But it's great to be able to explore this thing just as a plot. Oh, what a luxury. I'm Mark Scarborough. Let's continue this luxurious journey with our Pilgrim Dante and his guide Virgil down past the 18th canto and beyond in the next episodes of Walking with Dante.